little breaking news before we get to our fabulous guest. Trump threatens to close southern border, border, quote, or large sections of the border, unquote, next week if Mexico doesn't end illegal immigration. You know, nobody wants to hear this, but I'd love to have a long, serious conversation with somebody about the dynamics of migration in northern South America, Central America, and and North America, and how it all works, and what countries can and cannot do. Because I think it's a really important topic, and I think shouting partisan nonsense at each other isn't getting us very far. You sound like a racist. (laughs) All right, then. Perhaps I should just move along to one of our our favorite uh, fellows to talk to, Jay Cost is the author of a handful of, of great books, including The Price of Greatness, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison. Alexander the, Hamilton! I swear to God, next time you do that, I'm just going to write in my mouth. And the creation of American oligarchy and a republic, no more big government, and the rise of American political corruption. Uh, Jay Cost is a visiting scholar at the American Enterprise Institute and joins us now. Jay, how are you, sir? I'm great. How are you guys doing? Uh, you know we're uh, we're struggling along. You know how it is, ups, downs, etc. Did you write your Hamilton book before the musical phenomenon or after? Oh no, it was after. Wow, was that annoying? Yeah. I mean, you probably worked on the book for a while, and no, actually, it was going to originally just be about Madison, and um, it was my dissertation. James originally. Madison. <laughs> oh, What's that rhyme? What's Madison rhyme with? And my dissertation advisor suggested I I throw Hamilton into the title as well because it kind of the, as I was writing it was kind of about both of them. And he gotcha. Was like, you should you should put him in too. You know why not? Yeah, yeah. So uh, what's got your interest uh, whipped up lately? I I saw I did not get a chance to read, and I apologize for that. But your Washington Examiner magazine cover story, American Hangover. What's that all about? Yeah, it's about just how the the problem with our party system is that, you know, we just have all these crazy people in, in politics nowadays, um, you know, like Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and that Ilian Omar from Minnesota, and, you know, and they just seem to be running the show, like the, the inmates are kind of running the asylum. And the the point that I make in the uh, in the Examiner article is that, you know, we actually created our political parties in part to stop things like that from happening, to create order uh, in our political process so that the people could actually rule. You know, you can't have a you can't have representative democracy if you just have chaos. Um, and the problem is, is that we just since we don't like the parties as Americans, we don't like the parties. We think they're gross, and we sort of just let them sort of wither on the vine. Um, and and so the parties are no longer able to like check these crazies um, and organize politics, and so we just have chaos now. We were headed that direction, I think, regardless. But then you throw in social media, where an AOC can reach millions of people and go around Nancy Pelosi in a way that just wouldn't have been able to happen a few years ago. Now, Jay, I find oh, myself totally right, and it's it's a good point. Um, I find myself wondering, are you, hmm, let me put it like this. I think what you're describing is much like the creative destruction of capitalism. It's absolutely necessary and healthy. I think the parties are getting absolutely nothing they don't richly deserve, and it is a a period through which they must pass, and they will either end up the better for it or gone. 
Uh, what do you say? I think the problem that we have with the parties is has more to do with um, that. Look, the, the parties are not they're anti you know they're anti capitalism. Really, is what they are. The parties are sort of supposed to be a cartel. Right, they're supposed to deny access to certain groups or people right. who are just going to disrupt things. Right, and ideally, what we want them to do is function as a cartel to give Americans a choice. You want policy a, set of policy A or set of policy B, and if they vote for A over B, then A actually gets done, and that's how you get Republican government. Right, by controlling access to the voters, right? And the problem in the past is the parties have not done a very good job of this, but rather than reform the parties, we've just been like, okay, well, we have to get, we have to take away all power from them. So they're not functioning like that at all. And so like, like as you said, any nut job who's good on social media can end up dominating the political conversation, right? Whereas like a hundred years ago, somebody like, Ocasio-Cortez would be able to get anywhere near politics because she would just, that that sort of nonsense would just be completely unacceptable. Well, you know, her policies aside, even if you got elected, you just, you wouldn't have had any power. She's, she's, She's the most known, powerful freshman congressperson ever, and that's entirely... Uh, well, not entirely. Her personality and ideas have play a role, but without social media, it wouldn't matter what her personality, ideas, or how cute she was. It wouldn't make any difference. Totally. To- and the problem is, is that she ends up dominating the conversation, and she. This, 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 and the problem with this is that you know the the election in 2018 will ends up just empowering Ocasio Cortez. Right. Wouldn't that, none of us voted for her. I mean, she got like 50,000 votes in Brooklyn. Right. And so our, the point, the problem is, is that when you don't have the parties actually in control and actually able to control people in government, then our vote choices don't actually mean anything. None of us voted for this woman. And certainly very few of us who voted in the 20, 2018 election thought, oh, well, we should have a big old conversation about this goofball Green New Deal Program right. That's not what the election in 2018 was about. And that's the problem. Is it's, in the end, if you don't have strong parties, then elections end up oftentimes being about nothing. Right? They don't actually have any kind of real policy Im- impact because you just get these random people, you know, using social media or whatever. Well, I think that might be where we're headed. Whether you like it or not, I think that might. That's what Beto is betting on. Beto is betting on you don't need to have a policy position. You're really good on social media. You look pretty good, and uh, and you can win that way. I hope he's wrong. Yeah, it, that's a that look. That is a real problem in in our system of government. Ideally speaking, the people are supposed to rule. And for the way, for the way that that happened is that you have your vote for an individual has to translate into a vote for a policy agenda. And if if, if that's how the people actually govern themselves, right? That's how representative democracy actually becomes Republican, small-R Republican government. Right. You and vote for a playbook, then tell your congresspeople and your senators, go run these plays, right? Right. But now now we're, you know, like Beto, like to your point, right? Beto, he just looks great on his skateboard. There he is getting his, you know, teeth capped. So, you know, we're going to vote for him. That's not Republican, small-R government. That's just, you know, really... That, that it's just nonsense is what it is. We end up getting just this cacophony in our politics, 
that frustrates everybody, turns everybody off, undermines faith in our system of government, and, and reduces the Republican quality of our system. Well, Jay, sometimes empires end. Not everything lasts That's forever. True. I was heartbroken That's when true. ABBA broke up, but I had to accept <laughs> it. For instance, Jay Cost is the author of The Price of Greatness, uh, Alexander Hamilton, James Madison, The Creation of American Oligarchy, which is so good. You know, just one more quick point from me on the political parties. I could deal with all of this a little better if there were three, four, five of them um, instead of the uh, the insidious duopoly that we have now. I mean, it sounds like you're almost arguing for a return to strength for the parties. But again, I think they, they squandered that. I think we need to move to something else. But what if they else. stood for something? Well, that would be something. What, what, if, what, what if my aunt had balls, Jack? <laughs> well, I'd, re- I'd refer to her as your uncle. That would that be point, appropriate. Jay Cost. Jay, probably, now would probably be a good time for you and your dignity to head in the other direction. <laughs> um, but, but, hey, listen, uh, we can't wait to hear what your next project is, uh, and, and it's always fun to talk. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, guys. Jay Cost. Visiting scholar, American Enterprise Institute. We should do a long-form podcast with him, because I had more questions. And Yeah, know. yeah. His big thing, if you don't know, Jay, is uh, political corruption. How? And listen, my friends on the left and right and center and the rest of it, he hates crony capitalism. He hates lobbyists and corporate goons controlling the policy of this country. That's really his thing. Um, and we didn't quite get there in that discussion, but... You know, that was good, though. Time. I thought it was pretty interesting. Yeah. We should hit Clips of the Week, which I think is one of the best we've ever had. Here's a little ABBA for you. Uh, dang it. When they broke up. I don't think I went to school for a week. I would listen to this song and picture myself as the dancing king. But wow. now they're gone. Wow. That's something. <laughs> Uh, a variety of things we're going to jam into the program. Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. Hit you with that in a couple minutes because it's the 50 year anniversary and I started rereading it yesterday. That in a moment. Thanks for the old 97s, Michael. Always welcome. You're on the Armstrong and Getty Show. Jack and I just talking about music during the uh, the breaks. Have you given them any money? Because now that I've realized that streaming music puts zero money in the pockets of my favorite musicians. Right. I feel like I got to buy some of their CDs or T-shirts or something. Buy merch, not music. Right. We, right. we, the Getty clan, have between us all, seriously, a dozen old 97s t-shirts and sweatshirts and swag and I, stuff like that. I don't need that many t-shirts. I, yeah. I don't need the CDs because I'm never going to use them. Maybe I should just send them a check. <laughs> like, I'm not going to wear a John Mayer t-shirt, but I've listened to hours of his music uh-huh. for free. Yeah. It just doesn't seem right. Yeah, I hear you. He doesn't need it. He might be a bad example. Yeah, he's still super stealing. Rich, but but, yeah. but there's a lot of bands, you know, that are just, they're still traveling, trying to feed themselves. Listen to hours of their music streaming it. 
Yeah. Not paid him a cent. We got a great, long, detailed email from a professional musician on that topic. I'm going to go through it and highlight it, uh, James, but thanks for sending it. We'll we'll talk about it one of these they days. Fix that, they got to fix that. I love the fact that for ten ninety nine a month or whatever I'm paying, I can listen to any song in the world as much as I want. Right. It's flipping awesome. Right. God, would I have loved that in high school. You know what? It, I'd have never left my room. You know what it reminds me of, Of course, if I had the internet and a computer, I'd have never left my room either. <laughs> right. Yeah, I heard that. Um, it reminds me of, like, pre-free agency in sports, where you could really bond with the players and, and root for them through their careers. And, and, man, if you had a great player on your team, he was staying with your team. And That's because it was virtual slavery. Yeah, and you'd meet him in the offseason because he was your milkman. Right, exactly. And they couldn't... I. I know a guy just a little bit who was the backup for one of the great Hall of Famers in baseball history, and he could not go to another team where he could start, because they owned him. Great for the fans in a lot of ways, unless you rooted for a crappy team. But but this is the reverse. This, the players were not getting the money they deserved. We liked it better. Um, But they now the musicians used to make a ton of money. We like it better, and they don't make the money reserved. Right, we going backwards, right? From athlete, uh, from athletes, right, right. Yeah, it, well, it, and it's complicated because, um, you know, to quote the uh, the great uh, song, "So you want to be a rock and roll star?" The companies are there making plasticware. They are manufacturing and distributing a hunk of plastic in a cardboard wrapper that has some economic value just because it has some economic cost. Whereas the distribution of digital music has virtually no cost whatsoever. And so the markup on nothing is virtually sure. nothing. A bunch of zeros and ones flowing through the air to my phone. Right. So there's there's very, oh, and there's a caveat to this, but there's very little to chop up and give the chunk to the musician. There's a hell of a lot more than they are giving to the musician right now. The big tech companies have taken, they take the content and they keep the vast, 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 vast majority of the, the revenue. But anyway. More on that for another day. Um, it's been right. a long week, hasn't it? I was about to. <laughs> it's time to take a fun look back at the week that was. It's Cow Clips of the Week. It's a very, very bad day for CNN. <laughs> if Absolutely. the appointment of Robert Mueller was the worst day of his presidency, <laughs> the release of Robert Mueller's report was the best day of his presidency. <laughs> It feels like the seeds of a cover-up are here. What a weekend. Mullah is done. ISIS is done. Avenatti is done. Trump is winning so hard right now. All connected through Apple. And you know how we do it. How? We use the big ideas behind coding to solve problems. This is just a, a quick um, video showing you how to put pants on a pigeon. This is English jurisprudential culture. A white man's culture. And then they said, how did they phrase it? Then they said, give us the money! As a gift! We want a gift! But only if it's money! You get your shot. You had your shot right there. In the situation. Well, why do you not? know the situation, Karen? Why do you get a shot, Donna? But to me, the most decisive way to put an end to Trumpism is for it to be defeated massively at the ballot box. The Democrats have to now decide whether they will continue defrauding the public with ridiculous bull****. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. 
God. <laughs> that it's you, not exactly a house divided against itself cannot stand. If anybody thinks you could put that in like an ad to defeat him, he should put it in his own ads to support him. That clip. No more bullspit. Donald Trump, 2020. <laughs> so it's the 50-year anniversary of one of my favorite books of all time, Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut. And it's out in a new edition with a uh, foreword written by an Iraqi vet who saw and did some awful things. Well, he did awful things he had to do. Right. Not illegal things. It's um, war. It's war. Um, but if you've never read Slaughterhouse-Five, and I hadn't read it in years... I downloaded it yesterday on the plane, which is, you know, talk about another great advance. I think publishers are making a lot of money because online books are way too expensive. Oh, yeah. But um, I downloaded it in an instant on my phone and started reading Slaughterhouse-Five again. It's the best book about war flipping ever. And That's it's funny Dresden, and entertaining. Is it? yeah. yeah, okay. Kurt Vonnegut, yeah. who actually was in Dresden and Prisoner of War. Um, but uh, just a fantastic book. Highly recommended. 50-year anniversary. Short book, too. If you don't, you know, got the patience, the modern patience. I'm a Vonnegut fan, and I haven't read that one. Oh, my God, it's fantastic. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Donald Trump ripping it up in Michigan. U.S. security warnings about a Chinese tech company have not hurt its bottom line. And a big jump in Americans getting their ears pierced for health reasons. Ears pierced for health reasons. Fantastic. I'm going to get a chindo. <laughs> coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show. <laughs> We got blasted by some capitalists on the text line for what we were talking about music-wise. Maybe we'll hit that at some point. I don't know. Plus, we really ought to mourn for the fourth marriage of Nicolas Cage, which went away after four days. Started Monday, ended Thursday. Yeah. It's a good run. It's a good run. <laughs> you know, they had the three-day itch there on Wednesday. <laughs> and then it fell apart yeah. on Thursday. Irreconcilable differences Wednesday afternoon. <laughs> By dinner, it was over. They tried one more time Wednesday night. Right. Briefly. And it fell apart Thursday morning. Uh, news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, President Trump has just the storyline he wants from the Russia probe. He recounted the results to a boisterous Michigan rally last night. Trump holding his first political event since Robert Mueller's investigation found no evidence that Trump's campaign conspired or coordinated with Russia. I heard to- about that. To influence the 2016 election. The special counsel completed its report and found no collusion and no obstruction. I could have told you that two and a half years ago very easily. Total exoneration, complete vindication. I cannot believe this is just now coming out. The guy who set up the the Trump Tower meeting, the infamous Trump Tower meeting with that Russian gal, yeah, he's out now saying exactly how it happened, why it was set up, and how it was set up. I haven't heard this. Uh, it's just now when, when it's when, just coming out. When did this hit? I just saw it. When did when, What's the dateline? Dateline. What's today's date? I have more questions than answers. It came out yesterday late in the afternoon. So when Nicholas Cage and his wife were still in the bloom of love. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, I, I'll give you the brief description right after the news. We'll let right. Marshall get through his thing, but it's 
It's how did this? Why now? Trump deemed the inquiry the greatest hoax in the history of our country. Promoted, he says, by a number of people now suffering humiliation. And they're on artificial respirators right now. They're getting mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. <laughs> Little pencil neck Adam Schiff. Fact check. His neck's not actually a pencil. <laughs> got the smallest, thinnest neck I've ever seen. He is not a long ball hitter. Wow. And, and we got we got a tech. Yes. Uh, I want a candidate to challenge Trump at a driving range. <laughs> That'd be a good one. Yeah. That'd be a good one. A younger one would certainly, certainly have an advantage. Right. Um, uh, somebody texted, how does Adam Schiff respond? My guess is his response is getting a hold of Trump's taxes and putting them in the Washington Post. Yeah. There you go. And lastly, Trump dropping a BS bomb at the rally. The Democrats have to now decide whether they will continue defrauding the public with ridiculous bull****. <laughs> Catches me by surprise every time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that is the decision they've got to make. And I guarantee you, they've had some serious behind closed doors meetings about it. Nancy does not want to go with ridiculous BS. Right. She wants to move on. But Adam Schiff and his crowd, they want to, you know, do a lot of this other stuff. Right. That you don't know how that's going to turn out or play. And you might end up with another dry hole. Maybe his taxes are kind of excited, but nothing damaging there. And then you've taken another step down the road of all you want to do is hurt Trump. You're not trying to help me in any way. I was hoping we'd get to this in greater length today, but just very briefly, uh, let's see. Federal jurisdictions investigating the president include the USDA's, uh, or U.S. Attorney's Office for Southern District of New York, U.S. Attorney's Office for the Eastern District of Virginia, U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia, Department of Justice Public and Integrity section. Other state and local investigations include State Attorney General investigating Trump's inauguration committee. New York State and New York City are investigating stuff. State Attorneys General, general suing Trump or his organizations for uh, the emoluments clause. There are other state probes in Manhattan. Then in Congress, you have the House Intelligence Committee, scrolling, the House Financial Services Committee, the House Oversight Committee, the House Judiciary Committee, the House Ways and Means Committee, the House Foreign Affairs Committee, Senate Intelligence Committee, How many all that? investigating the president. So, wow. now, part of the crowd would say, this is how bad a guy is. Look at all these investigations are going on. If I'm Trump... Last night, I run that on the Jumbotron. Here's all, after he gives the BS statement, or right before it. They say, look at all these committees that are still investigating. Right. The biggest one of all just came back. There's nothing there. And they're still doing this. I'd, I'd, I'd put it out there as a look at what they're into. This is all they care about. I think that's a political win for him, unless they find something. Meanwhile, the ride-sharing company Lyft released or got into its IPO today. The stock is out there. Positive, Sean. What's your one-word market report? The markets are optimistic. Yes! Mm. Bye! Markets are smiling and optimistic. Now, that's too many words. It's just, just one word. Smiling, right. one word. Sorry, I smiling and is two more words. Oh, Without rules, there's chaos. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> An increasing number of people are getting their ears pierced, but it's not for fashion at all. Some piercing professionals say they've seen a big bump in people coming in for ear piercings after their acupuncturist 
recommended them for treating a bunch uh, a bunch of issues. All right, you know what? That's interesting, but it's way way less interesting than this thing about the setup of the Trump meeting. Go I'm ahead. sorry, it's this is blockbuster. Go ahead. Stuff. It's too bad I had well, a wrap up the news. I had a funny text to fit that, but maybe they'll work on maybe they'll work on Monday. All right, they're they're getting treated for migraines, lower back pain, and indigestion with these piercings. So they're piercing their ears to help with their. Uh, Allergies. This yeah. guy texted, I'm getting a Prince Albert to help with my glaucoma. Google <laughs> <laughs> it, kid. All right, that's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. Hi. I'm, not, I'm not sure that would help. Rob Goldstone is a publicist in New York. Mm-hmm. He has a number of clients, including one, Eamon Agalarov, who is a singer and a businessman. He contacted his publicist, this Rob Goldstone, to request a meeting with the Trumps for a Russian lawyer that was a friend of his. Goldstone says, and I'm quoting, After unsuccessfully trying to talk him out of it, I did my job. I used my PR training to puff up the missive to get someone's attention. In this case, that meant suggesting that Veletsnitskaya, the Russian gal, yeah. uh, lawyer, who Al- uh, Galrov had told me was well-connected, it's, I suggested she could convey a, r- official Russian documents and information about potential illegal funding for Hillary Clinton's presidential campaign, which would help Donald Trump's candidacy. Publicists are legendary for speaking in hyperbole, and I am no exception. Realistically, by the time I sent that email, if I thought it would have gotten the desired from rea- reaction from Donald Trump Jr., I would have happily stated that I was bringing Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to Trump t- Tower. When the meeting that was resulted was revealed to the public in July 2017, in the space of a few hours, I went from being a media hunter to being hunted. I spent the next 18 months at the center of the Russia investigation as my email became one of the main tangible pieces of alleged, quote, evidence of collusion. I found myself portrayed one day as a Russian spy, the next as an unwitting, quote, useful idiot. Some internet sleuths even suggested I was a paid Democratic plant put there to sabotage the Trump campaign. There was no political agenda on my part, no underlying conspiratorial mystery. Throughout this ideal, well, he hopes people would figure that out. So is he not allowed to say this until after the Mueller report came out? Is that the deal? Um... He was forbidden to talk about it? On Sunday night, just a few hours after the media reported that Mueller's report had shown no collusion, I did something I hadn't done for more than 500 nights. I slept without feeling afraid. Um, it does not say... Some, or maybe just maybe his own lawyers told him it'd be a good idea to keep your mouth shut, that which could very easily be true. Yeah. This guy, he had personal and business bank accounts closed without explanation, and they, the bank said only that they no longer welcomed his business. I'll bet you that his... Him telling Mueller that was one of the big keys to, okay, there's nothing to the Trump Tower meeting. There's no indictments around this. Right. Look, Even I though the media was, who's a singer, and he begged me to get a meeting with this gal. So I did. The media told us over and over, including the former CIA chief, that uh, you know Donald Jr. is going to be indicted, Manafort is going to be indicted again, all these people are going to be indicted over the Trump Tower meeting. This guy says, nah, I was... And listen, if you have a differing account, feel free to email us or text us or whatever. You're probably a Russian spy. All right. I was trying to be open-minded. But here is what, for instance, Junior's been saying all along. We got a call. Somebody said, I know a Russian gal who has all sorts of dirt on Hillary. So we took the meeting. Turned out to be a big nothing. 
They wanted to talk about getting rid of the sanctions and the whole Magnitsky Act and the adoptions and the but rest of it. what about the phone call? So we gave Did the, Trump know? So we gave him the bum's rush. It was a big, fat, freaking nothing. And that's what this guy's saying. He said, I claim they had all sorts of dirt on Hillary just because my client had begged me to get a meeting somehow. Wow. Unbelievable. Our text line 415-295-KFTC. It's in the WAPO, for what it's worth. Go all check it out. That guy would probably be on some talk shows. Yeah, I would hope so. It's a hell of an interesting story. Maybe even ours. Perhaps. Stay tuned tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Any of these jokes we got to play, Sean? Which one do you like? Uh, the one that references Batman, of course. Okay. Yeah, uh-huh. That's fine. I want to wish a special birthday to a special guy who is about to turn 80 years old. Batman turns 80 years old this weekend. And I'm guessing he won't be hiring a clown for his birthday party. The first time Batman appeared in a comic book was March 30th, 1939. He's older now. His utility belt is full of vitamins and bills, and he wears it up around his nipples. But if Batman is 80, how old does that make Alfred? Like 135? Excellent Batman character humor. His utility belt is full of bills, and he wears it up around his nipples. It's funny. Batman will always be... Adam West to me, Joe. Hmm. And I got to meet Batman at a RV and boat show in Kansas City in the late 80s. Interesting tie-in there. Was the bat boat on hand or the bat RV? <laughs> no, this was in a... And there, there are ebbs and flows in life. And this was during... Which one's the bad one? An ebb? Probably an ebb. This was during an ebb. Because he was super hot through like the 60s and 70s. Then like just a joke. And then made a return, like, with Family Guy and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. the Adam West sort of Batman. Right. Because I think, is he? did he die? I think he did recently. Batman's dead. Yeah. The Joker got him? <laughs> or the Riddler? Or Mr. Freeze? Or the um, Calendar? <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Oh, jeez. But, yeah, he had the whole thing where it was just like a joke, and, I mean, he couldn't, you know, nobody... Well, he was doing a van and RV show in the middle of the day to assemble, there's 11 of us maybe? Wow. Uh, there at like his 3 o'clock showing was up. Was it just a meet and greet or did he do like a show or what? He came out of an RV. Naturally. Um, That was like kind of his dressing room. And he came out of an RV, visibly drunk and slurring. Oh, oh boy. And well, kind of like. Wouldn't you be? Obviously not that happy to be there. Um, And so I'm guessing he had to be in his 50s then. Could be. Certainly late 40s, I would guess. This was like 1989. Had a bit of a renaissance as the mayor of Quahog right. from, uh, from Family Guy. That's when he made his comeback, yeah. and then he was hot again, and I would imagine he didn't have to do van and RV shows and walk out to 11 people in the middle of a Saturday afternoon mm-hmm. at Kemper Arena in Kansas City um, at that point. But yeah, it was just sad. I mean, we, we came, thought, we went thought thinking it would be kind of cool to see Batman. I was super into Batman as a kid. And it was just sad. Here, Here's an old guy who clearly needs the money enough that he flew into town to walk out and say, hey, everybody. 
Was he wearing and, the bat suit? He was, oh, yeah. He was wearing the full Batman outfit. Cape and cowl? Oh, yeah. Full-on yes. 60s Batman outfit. Oh. Kind of fat, paunchy, oh. little moob hanging down. Oh. I mean, just, you know. Oh, well, boy. that's when the, the suit was just <laughs> fat. Nowadays, oh, they're all, it's all silicone, and it's got, like, abs on the oh, suit. Yeah. No, no, that. That was all Adam West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when he was young, he, he was, was just fine. a man wearing tights. I do Body like how suit. on the TV show, the Batmobile, the way that I knew it was super fast was because there was fire coming out of the exhaust. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. And uh, I've been trying to get my kids into the Batman. I'll, I'll try it again. Because if they got into it, I'd gladly watch every episode again with them. But yeah. um, I tried one be- once before, and it just was too slow-paced for them. Um, I have no idea why I know that Frank Gorshin was the Riddler mm-hmm. and Cesar Romero was the Joker. Because you have to. And that's, Burgess, that's in my brain. Burgess I, I, Meredith, of course, the Penguin. Right, yeah. I, quack, quack, quack. I feel like that's taking up hard drive space for something that <laughs> should be more important. But I, I heard a thing on uh, another channel today about one of the reasons that Batman was successful or stood out the way it was was in the late 60s when the whole counterculture thing was going on. And he was such a square, such a buy the book, follow the law. That wouldn't be okay, Robin. Right. You know, that they may be drinkers, Robin. Yeah, exactly. Right, he was exactly. such a square that it really stood out against the, the backdrop of every anything goes. Right. Which is pretty funny. Howdy, folks. This is Adam West. Armstrong and Getty may be drinkers, Robin, but they're okay guys. Sober up. That's my favorite line from the Batman movie where uh, he risked his life getting this bomb. And, of course, it was a big cartoon round bomb with a, with a wick on it. Right. But Batman's right. running around trying to figure out what to do with this bomb before it explodes. And he was going to throw it in this room, but he saw it in this bar full of people. Right. And then he ends up throwing it in the ocean and saving everybody and everything like that. You you risk your life to save those drinkers, Batman? Right. They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're human beings, just like me and you. I guess you're right, Batman. I guess you're right. That's beautiful. That is so good. At the height of, you know, the Woodstock era and everything. Right, right. So, yeah, everybody's tuning in and turning on and dropping out. Uh, so, we didn't, we just didn't have time today to get to old Justy Smollett much. A trio of headlines. Jesse Smollett now facing lawsuit, which could get him fired from Empire. Nigerian brother's attorney on Smollett team suggesting they wore whiteface. Uh, she said, absolutely atrocious, giving lawyers a bad name, which is a hell of a statement. And also Kim Fox with two X's. Uh, will and should lose her job over the Jesse Smollett case. That's a column from the Chicago Tribune. And how do they lean uh, generally following the politics of the city. Uh, well, they're they're more conservative than the Sun Times, um, but still, they're they're fairly mainstream media these days. Which one did Siskel and Ebert work for? Both, I think, one each. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Kim Foxix will and should lose her job over the Jesse Small case. We'll see. Amen. <laughs> and now, an announcement on Strong and Gay. <laughs> Don't know what that was. That's a uh, Pee Wee Herman reset, <laughs> oh, isn't it? Oh, gotcha. Here's your host, Joe Getty. All right, let's uh, get a final thought from everybody. Ader, uh, positive Sean, what's your final thought? Uh, my final thought is the Dumbo live-action remake directed by Tim Burton is out this weekend. It's either going to be great or terrifying. I yeah, have no idea. I, I need to hear a review of that before <laughs> I take the kids. Marshall Phillips, your final thought? Well, I'm off for many great adventures this afternoon. I will have a big update for you come Monday. All right. Ooh, a tease. Wow. A little wow. Vague, but 
Michelangelo, final thoughts? I mean, you're wearing a lot of cologne. I don't know what you got planned. But... <laughs> he turned down bacon today, too. Oh, right? okay. Something's up. Yeah. Well, we got April 1st coming up, and it, that reminds me of the time that when I had first started with the show and you guys left me in the studio all by myself, nearly bringing me to tears. We'll have to tell that story on Monday. Yeah. Oh, boy. Jack, final thought? Yeah, uh, TV recommendation. Um, I caught a little of the Theranos documentary on mm-hmm. HBO yesterday. Oh, with, oh, did you? What's it called? The, uh, uh, Whatever it is. It's, uh, it's not Fair entirely enough. accurate, really. There are inaccuracies. They made me look it, bad. The inventor. It's I, I'm so sorry, good. The, the inventor? It's so good. Man, you got to catch that if you have the HBO and have an opportunity. It, and it's not just about her and Theranos. It's just about our culture and fame and looks and money and greed. It's really good. And my, Silicon my, Valley. My, my, <laughs> shut your trap over there, you con woman. Uh, my final thought, uh, great news, views, and brews in beautiful Poway, California last night. We had to jet out and couldn't shake hands and, and thank people. We feel bad about that. We always say we just couldn't last night. Our apologies. A single drop of blood. <laughs> we'll plan better next time. See you Monday. God bless America. Well, kids, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank Sideshow Mel, Corporal Punishment, Tina Valeria, oh, and from Mass Landing, Miss Donna Mills. Oh, she was a sport. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. Now the time has come to go. The Pixel Cop was found dead in his bed tomorrow. I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! (laughs) Armstrong and Getty.